Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 140. Thank you for joining us. Ugh, February. For homeschoolers, it's often a struggle to get back at it after Christmas. And as you get to the end of January and look ahead, it seems like it will be impossible to make it to May. That's when it hits. Burnout. Today, Colby's own Therese Prudlow, Amanda Hayes, and Kristen Pizarro join Bonnie and I. Having been through this themselves, our guests offer some sage advice and encouragement for all of those families that are feeling the gloom of winter and burnout. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Doing well, Bonnie. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks. I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. We are joined by three ladies, two longtime Colby online instructors and one advisor, all homeschooling moms themselves. Mrs. Therese Prudlow, chair of the history department, is no stranger to the Colby cast. Welcome back, Therese. How are things going? Hi. Thank you for having me. It's going well here. Good, good. I'm very glad to welcome back Mrs. Amanda Hayes whose first Colby cast was episode 61, Middle Ground. She and I had a Coke break with Mrs. Alex Pischke and discussed middle school with its wiles and wonders. Hi, Amanda. So great to have you back on the Colby cast. How have you been? Hi, doing well. It's good to be back. I'm glad that you are back. I've been thinking, we need Amanda to come back. I'm glad today is working out. So yay. We also have Colby advisor Kristen Pizarro back with us. She had lots of wisdom and solidarity to offer in episodes 124 and 125. Kristen has been holding a series of parent support meetings that have covered a lot of ground common to Colby families. Thanks so much for being here today, Kristen. What's new with you? Thanks for having me back. Uh, Not a whole lot new, just uh, plugging and chugging away at schooling myself. And like (laughs) I said, I, the parent support meetings are as much for myself as they are for the Colby families. Um, Sometimes we just need that solidarity. So I'm happy to to host them as long as people start coming or keep coming, I should say. Yeah, we've got a, a whole slate of good topics coming up. When this episode is released, we will be looking February square in the eye, a daunting prospect for many, including me, as I recounted in episode 29, the February stare down, along with the dreary weather and cold temperatures that are the daily reality for many of us. We might also be dealing with what seems to be a trending topic, especially around this time of year, and that's burnout. Therese and Amanda and Kristen have some thoughts about this and some suggestions for ways to address and mitigate the burnout. Let's start by defining our term first. How would you all define burnout? The burnout, I think, I mean, wouldn't you say it's it's that prolonged stress that, that can, um, it can often come from things that you even love to do, right? It's that prolonged uh, stress working on something without without taking a moment to step back, perhaps without taking a break, and eventually can sort of lead to that uh, exhaustion, whether it be emotional, sometimes physical from that. Um, it, it's it's going nonstop without without rest, right? I mean, that's that's always how I sort of think about burnout when I see it in, in myself and my kids and my students. Yeah. I think that's a good point about how it can be something you really very much enjoy, but 
even that can be, you can reach that point where it's enough. What about you, Kristen or, or Amanda? Do you, what do you guys, how do you guys define burnout? You want to add to that? I think um, for me in the last couple of years, as I can't believe I've been homeschooling for a decade now, but um, the more I get into it, that January, February into the beginning of March is just, I like homeschooling, but I'm kind of over it, yeah. which is funny because I start the year and I'm like, yeah, this is great. And then I get to December and I'm like, oh, this is good. We get a break. And then it's like that entire second semester is just staring you like a freight train. And you're like, I've got to get a whole nother semester in. And it's the same amount of time from fall to December, but the lack of being able to necessarily go outside all the time and it is a little bit drearier weather and it's just harder to want to get things done and you just want to curl up with a good book on the couch instead of teaching and doing the math things and all of that. <laughs> sure. And to come to Christmas break, like, okay, we made it. Sometimes we kind of limp to the finish line to get to Christmas and then we're like, oh, okay, I have to start up again. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Amanda? Yeah. Yeah, I, I liken burnout to hitting the wall in, say, you know, marathon runners. Runners will tell you that, you know, when they when they're running these really long races, they um they'll, you know, they willingly signed up for this, they enjoy this, but they get to a point three quarters of the way through the race or so where they hit a wall. And it's different for every person and it's different in severity, but you hit a wall and you just feel like I just can't. I can't do this. Like, oh, I have to wake up another day. <laughs> I have to, I have to, you know, teach the algebra and I have to, you know, wipe the boogery noses from the 20th cold this winter. And I have to, you know, mitigate the fights and I have to actually grade the papers and I have to like, yeah. actually I have to make the kids who don't want to do school, do school, you know, and I have to do it sort of with enthusiasm and you don't really want to. But if you push through the wall, if you if you push through and you get through till like April, I usually find things things improve a bit around April when the when the weather improves. You know, I mean March a little bit, but April is where things really. I'm like, oh, I feel like myself again. And it's it's that time. I always know I've hit burnout when I start fantasizing about the big yellow school bus taking all the children. Away. <laughs> I know it's burnout. I know it's February. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I like yeah. that describing it as a wall. It is, and it is like, and it's when we all sort of hit. I think, you know, we've pushed through. We've done such good work, like you said, and Kristen too. It's like, oh, fall semester, we're all excited. We're there's there's rough patches, but you know you're going to get through, and then Christmas is going to be there, and you have this wonderful restful break, and hopefully you're taking a nice restful break, and then the year starts up. It is harder. It's gloomy. You know, there's not a break right away that come unless unless Easter happens to come really early that year and it's just it, it can I think sometimes what gets hard for kids is when they really get that burnt out though is is they forget that there's something on the other side that they're to look toward that other thing when they're hitting when they're hitting that wall but I think we all we all do it <laughs> it was really interesting when I saw this topic come up because I had to really think about when I've felt burnt out as opposed to just being, you know, exhausted, which seems different. And I, you know, I remember the times working for a distance education school during the summer, which is the crazy time for administrative stuff and, you know, working those 68 hours weeks and just, but then you can get to the end and yes, you were exhausted, but it was almost like I'd, I'd got this high on accomplishing so many things quickly 
that are switching to well now what are the what are the things that don't have to be done immediately but i should be doing anyway now that i have to but i had to th i think i had to go all the way back to my my freshman year in college where like i i knew it was going to be intense so i was just i was reading everything and i was studying and not doing anything else and i got to the end of first semester and it was just like i am done with this i cannot read i mean so obviously i wasn't done with it i kept going but it was it was then a struggle for the next months to kind of pick up and do things sufficiently or even well. I think that's a really great point, Stephen. Yeah, because it, it's it's that adrenaline rush, right? At the end of the end of the first semester, we have this huge adrenaline rush. That's what's getting us through, and maybe that's also why February is difficult because it's it is that portion of time when it's kind of quiet. There isn't an adrenaline rush. There's nothing huge and pressing to sort of encourage us through. And I don't know, it's, you're right. It's, it sort of is like that from college days to think back. And yeah, there was definitely those, <laughs> it helped, it helped, it, it helped me anyways, in my personality to get through, but you're right. I think that's where the burnout, we, we can recognize it or see it sometimes it's in those, those quiet times. The, uh, I went to the Coast Guard Academy and when you go to military academy, they make you remember all of these like phrases that if someone asks you a question, you have to answer it, right? And it's like a paragraph that you have to remember. There's actually a reference that everyone had to say at the end of every meal. And it refers to the dark ages and they mean January, February, March. So it was an everyday reminder that January, February, March were gonna not be so great. And that was college. So it was a constant reminder, just keep going. You can do it, just keep going. <laughs> I think it's tricky too, because all of us, we, we undertook this homeschooling, like this is, we want to do this. This is important to us. We think this is the right thing for our families. And it's, we all understand what a gift and privilege and responsibility it is for us to be able to do this with our families. And, but we also acknowledging that reality of like, we have our human limits and we're tired and, and this is a, we've reached this point just to own that at that point. And I think it's, maybe hard for me and hopefully hopefully I'm not the only one where it's hard to admit both like to admit that I'm approaching burnout or that I've hit it when I know that I have chosen this particular path like I made this choice and, and you know I'm I own that and I I made it so I don't feel like I can verbalize I'm I'm really tired I'm kind of burnt out now that that's hard for me to do yeah I think that's where having a good community is important for that whether it's a physical community an online community where all of us as homeschool moms, somebody's got to be that first person to say, I am burned out. Yeah. And then once it's said out loud, everyone else goes, Oh, <laughs> thank you for saying that because mm -hmm. I am too. Right. Like we need a little bit of validation to say, yeah, it happens. You're going to get through it. I'm going to get through it, but we're going to do it together. Um, I'm blessed to live in a community that nearly everyone on my street homeschools and we all kind of, we get out and we walk at recess and that's kind of the theme through February is how are you doing today? Is everybody okay? And, you know, just doing that check-in of how's life, how's homeschooling, you're going to do it. It's okay. <laughs> yep. I think that there's this added dimension with February with it. There are some federal holidays and other things where we have um, days off or we have something throwing off the daily routine, especially if it's a Monday where it's like, oh boy, the getting the rest of the week, we have that factored into that makes it, it just a layer of complication to it. 
Well, do you guys have any any indicators that you have noticed after having been through bouts of burnout before now coming all the way through that? Do you have any um, signs that you pick up on in yourself or others that you can tell that you're approaching burnout or you've, you've arrived, you've arrived, um, and any that might be surprising? See one one that I always notice is fatigue, just a sometimes it's a physical fatigue, sometimes it's a mental fatigue, and sometimes it's sort of both kind of kind of melded together, and it creeps up on you. You don't, it's not a drastic symptom, and so it often creeps up on you, and then I'll realize, you know, oh, it's the second week of February. <laughs> of course, I feel like I could sleep ten hours a day, and of course, I don't want to get out of bed in the morning it's dark, it's dreary, it's boring. And it's, we're in the daily slog. I guess the other symptom is the, um, you start to have this panicky moment of, oh my gosh, we're behind. We're behind. Or might you discover some strange, weird gap that your kid has in knowledge, which is funny because lots, everybody has gaps in knowledge. I mean, I went to public school and because we moved around a few times, um, it just so happened that I had no world history till high school. None. It's U.S. history, U.S. history, U.S. history, like like eleven years in a row, and state history twice. So, okay. so I ended up with this funny gap where I had no world history until high school, and I'm fine. I'm a perfectly competent adult. But as homeschool parents, we feel this pressure when we discover that like our eight year old can't remember their address or something goofy, something random that we just didn't think to teach or something, or that I don't know they just didn't didn't pay attention that day, and so. So I'll start to get this panicky moment of either A, we're behind in the curriculum. Oh my goodness, we have so many things to do still. Or uh, this sort of like, oh my goodness, we're failing because some random kid doesn't know some random fact or um, or maybe attitudes have devolved because while we are going through burnout, the kids go through burnout too. Mm-hmm. I mean, like as Stephen was saying, like, you know, the... um as a student, you can experience burnout, especially at that point in the semester, especially our older students. I think we have to keep in mind our middle and high schoolers, especially they have a heavy workload and they've got a lot going on at that age. And so they can absolutely hit burnout too. But I think it's easy for us to quickly blame, to quickly assume that we're doing this homeschooling thing wrong, just because um, it's not going great at that moment in February. So, yeah, that's a great point. It is. It, I think, I think you, you articulated that so well, Amanda, it's, it's, there's that panic and it always comes right around there. And it's always, what did I forget? I, I, it doesn't matter that I have 30,000 lists that I have written everything down that we need to do. I'm still, what did I forget? What did I not do? Is that it? I, so I think, yeah, there's people don't always realize it. Yes, you're tired, but it doesn't always manifest itself as that. Oftentimes, it's it's coming off that adrenaline, right? So you're you may make a mistake on something that you would normally do, or you forget. Sometimes trouble concentrating, and we see that you know our you know our kids don't always listen to us, but sometimes we don't always listen to them as well. That thing, those things can start happening. Um, and and I think, like you said, though, and and our kids pick up on our our uh, exhaustion or um, that, that we can have when we're, ho- especially when we're homeschooling and, and they also feel that burnout. 
and it can be irritability. It can be uh, sometimes they're sleeping too much or sometimes they can't sleep. So they're not as well rested. Uh, and I think, I think I being able to, to recognize it in ourselves, to give us ourselves that grace that, Oh, okay. It's just this time of year. They're going to learn their address one day. They're going to memorize it. Um, even as many, even when they move multiple times, it, it's going to be okay. It doesn't have to be, we don't need to panic. Sometimes there's those little lulls in learning and, and it'll pick back up. But yeah, give ourselves and give our kids some grace in that and, and just helping them. For me, what helps most during that time is making sure, and I know we talked about this in a previous episode, Bonnie, but making sure to taking having grace with yourself and letting yourself take those breaks during those times, because all you want to do is not take a break. All you want to do is you all of a sudden you start to feel burnout, you panic. Mm -hmm. You're the mode of, all right, now we have to do everything right this week, right this week. We're going to, we're going to cover everything that we've possibly missed or I, or I forgot to add to the curriculum or we didn't do, but it's, I think it's good to, to say, you know, when you start to feel yourself needing to do this, take a step back and say, you know what? No, we're, we're going to take this day off and we're not going to worry about it. Or we're going to go and today, instead of sitting down, we're, we're going to go to the library or we're going to take a, a, it's cold outside, but we're going to take a walk. We're going to do something or we're all just going to sit here in the room with a different book and just read for a while quietly. And that sometimes that will actually give you that energy so that the next day, all of a sudden people remember what you taught them three weeks ago, mm-hmm. or they, you know, they're, they have more of that capacity. They've rested every, their mind and their, their body for a little bit. I think, I think that's important for us to remember. Yeah, very true. I think, um, <laughs> this is, I'm going to bear my soul a little bit. So some of the indicators that I've reached burnout are my patience is razor thin, right? So all of a sudden, you know, my second grader can't remember what two times two is. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like we have covered this multiple times. And like, is it really worth losing my cool over not knowing two times two? Absolutely not. So, you know, doing a reflection at night and going, yeah, I think, uh, I think I've lost it a little bit. Need to get myself back to center. Um, and then food. So both kids and adults tend to self-medicate with food. It's a, a very American thing. Um, when you're bored or you're stressed, it's the first thing you do. I need a snack, right? I mean, listen, homeschoolers snack more than any other human beings anyway. <laughs> um, so the hobbits are, are well in my house. Um, but it, it's almost worse during burnout season, like double it when they get to be teenagers. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. I have a friend with a, an older teenage boy and I have three boys that are coming up to that. And I'm a little terrified because I already am like at a, a huge grocery bill and the things that she shows, she like, she's like, this is his snack. And it's like two meals. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> yes, there are no snacks for teenagers. There is second <laughs> breakfast and third lunch and fourth dinner. I don't even, it, yeah, I mean, it's. <laughs> I'd love to tell you that, that that's not true, but it is absolutely true. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> As we're talking about these things, I'm starting to 
pull out the whole year and think about why is it different? Why is it so different in February? And, and but realizing or thinking back to time as a student, you know, when I was back in public school or whatever, the summer is long enough where I, you, you kind of break all of the other habits and you're getting to a point where, yeah, I'm ready for school again. But like right now, what I'm seeing in my household at the end of this first semester, if things are going well, it's like, yes, finals next week. And then I'm done with this for three weeks or, oh man, I'm behind on that, but probably we're not going to catch up over Christmas anyway. But then you come back in and it's trying to, you, you're not really ready. We're never ready to go back into school after Christmas break here, at least we're, we'd still like to prolong that you're trying to get your wheels going and without really being ready for a reset and then all of those things that you're behind on just get magnified and if i'm being honest probably looking forward to the start of lent which i love lent while i'm in it but i never look forward to the start of lent when i'm outside of it as well and there's there's also that so there's that going to be that 40 days before easter as well that's going to be fasting and yeah, there seems to be a lot of things that set February for failure or burnout, at least. I think that's true. I think tying it to, you know, it it's tied to the seasons. It's tied to the liturgical year, like you said. Um, and I've, I know I'm going to have to think about that some more. It's intriguing that you're right. When I'm in, I mean, I love Lent. I think it's it's such a nice, because you, you, you're, you're ready for it and you're, and you're working toward it. And and so this time in February, it's it's that quiet time, the quiet time between that sometimes we don't have, always have as much direction for ourselves. I wonder if that could sort of add to it in that way. I know. What do you guys all think about that? I was just, that's very interesting that you said that. I, that sparked like a God is in the silence, right? We're so busy that it's hard to, to hear God. Um, unless we're quiet and we're uncomfortable with quiet. Well, many people are not everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, that's interesting. You know, that was actually something I was writing that down in my notes beforehand. Let yourself have quiet reflection. We're, we're so full. And I was thinking about that because um, it's just something I've been, I know, dealing with at home and just uh, during this time of year is, enjoy enjoy just not talking or not having sound I mean even so far as we love music in our house I mean we're always having music playing but even to just have it silent to go out and I and I think back to the times when um you could really just contemplate and 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 hopefully just listen to listen to God or just even listen to his beautiful creation about uh around you that he's made for you some of my happier times were when I was a child was just, I, I remember just going, we had this huge oak tree and it was really fun and just going out and sitting there and just not even doing anything, just sort of resting and sitting by the tree, watching whatever was happening, you know, in the neighborhood or in the grass or whatever. Um, and that's happened at different times in my life, but sometimes we forget to embrace those times and actually, and maybe even, maybe even in February, those are the times we need to like, make an effort to say, no, today is quiet day. And it's just, we're just going to do something. It could be reading. It could be sitting. It could just be, perhaps the kids are just laying on their bed and looking up at the ceiling and making designs in the, in the, the patterns in the ceilings. That's what we used to like to do <laughs> growing up, you know, just lay there quietly and just 
contemplate for a little bit. That I think that's going to be really beautiful. I go to a retreat in October and it's a silent retreat. And I remember the first time I went, I was like, you want me to be quiet for a whole weekend? Yeah. Okay. Um, it was so restorative. So I spent time right being quiet so that I could listen. Um, and I, I really, I'm not always great at that, but I really wasn't good at it then. Um, and I feel like I have to remember in February that I feel restored when I am quiet. And even if that means that, you know, I'm not going to a, an adoration, but I'm going to sit in front of the tabernacle and just letting Jesus wash over me, right. Letting him speak to my heart and restoring and filling me with grace. Um, because that's when I feel refreshed and knowing that I'm trying to do it all all by myself, right? I've got my list. I've got my, oh my gosh, my kid doesn't know my address or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then if I can remember to go and sit in front of Jesus and he's like, I've got this, I promise you, I love your children more than you love your children. And I know you love them a whole lot. Um, just continue to bring them to the foot, you know, of Jesus. And that's beautiful. Yeah, I I love that. And I think I think in our culture we we are so uncomfortable with quiet that I wonder if that is perhaps part of the um part of why burnout tends to hit at this time of year because it is quiet. Uh, there aren't I know at least for us not as many activities at that time of year partly cuz I don't, I'm not signing kids up to trek everybody out of the house in February. No, right. <laughs> um, but also there's just fewer things to do, you know, it was basketball, but there's not as many winter sports. And so there's not as many activities. There's not as many holidays. There's not as many feast days on the calendar. You're between the big high of Christmas and the big high of Lent and Easter. And you're in between that. And I think, I wonder if perhaps our instinctive uh, response to that is something's wrong. It, it's quiet. Why am I not busy doing something, you know, and, and why are my kids not busy doing something? And so I think, you know, um, I think like Kristen was saying, leaning into that mm -hmm. as counterintuitive as it can feel can really help. Um, like a, a friend and I once were, um, we're talking a few of us homeschooling moms who have many children and, and young children at the time. And we were all feeling very touched out and very just, they're always needing me for something. Somebody's always following me to the bathroom and they're doing this and they're doing that. And I just need alone time. And then we kind of, one of my very, one of my much wiser friends um, astutely observed that she found that um, when she leaned into her kid's constant presence, instead of trying to escape it and, and find, she found that when she, when she successfully escaped their presence, when she got her husband to watch them for a couple hours so she could go to the store or have some quiet time to herself, she actually found that counterintuitively, she would come back and she would be a little more resentful over time and that she could never get quite enough alone time to satisfy herself. But when she instead leaned into their constant presence and saw that as a blessing and a good thing, um, that actually she found she needed less time away and she felt more restored even with them still around. And so I think if we maybe approach this um, quiet 
a sort of lull in the year, kind of the same way, leaning into the quiet, leaning into the constant presence and constant being at home with the kids of that time of the year um, and the the day-to-day humdrum of school and workbooks and just ordinary everyday stuff. I think, you know, if we, if we lean into that and like Kristen said, even go a little further, you know, take some extra time at adoration. Um, you know, if we lean into that more, perhaps, perhaps therein lies a little bit of the solution. Oh yeah. No, I, I like that idea. It, it, when you said that lean into it, it reminded me of something. Um, I was having a conversation with one of my older sisters. She's a poor Claire nun and talking about um, the daily tasks, the little things, the things that are annoying (laughs) or you just don't, I mean, nobody wants to do their dishes and wants to fold the laundry and put it away and in those things. But, but, but she said, she said to me, and because we were talking about, um, well, my, my patron saint, St. Therese of Lisieux and her little way and leaning into those moments, doing them, wholeheartedly but but doing them wholeheartedly for the love of god and to to say okay i'm doing this i'm washing this dish not because it's a chore but i'm doing it because it's the task that needs to be done it's good for me it's good for my family it's it's going to help um it's okay that it's not fun it's okay for me to know that this is not fun to do but i'm going to lean in and focus on doing that task that it actually could make it, you could find rest in that task. And rather than you weren't fighting it, you weren't having tension in it because at the end it still has to be done. Children still have to be fed and dressed and dinner still needs to be made. And, and so, but, but uh, embracing it um, sort of like that little way. Um, I don't know she, when she said it to me, cause she, my older sister, she is a nun, but she didn't always like um, doing the dishes. <laughs> the convent it was always a large thing and she said all right so I'm just going to focus on it Therese I'm just going to focus on the task and she says it really and sort of not that she needed to pray while she was doing it because we know as a mom there's not quiet everyone's asking you questions while you're doing things but embracing that task gave it its own sense of quiet in your heart if that makes sense that it's okay to do that I was thinking about this earlier because you know I, I think I think of people who clearly are doing what they're called to do and how there's, they just seem like they're tireless or relentless almost, you know, they just keep going and going and going and doing these great things. And I was thinking, well, how does that apply to homeschooling mom? Because they're clearly doing what it is that they're supposed to be doing, what they're called to do. And I I think you've just hit on that there. You can fight it or you can you can embrace your that vocation that you're in and then some of those graces will will kind of pour forth when you stop stop fighting everything when you realize and i'm ashamed to say or maybe embarrassed is the better word um it's taken me years and years to realize that those mundane sometimes tasks that's the cross right that i as a mom as a homeschooling mom have been asked to bear. And so, whereas I would rather like to complain about it or like, Oh, I can't believe you guys made this mess. Or did you need 50 dishes to do lunch? Um, 
you know, all of the, I could, I could complain. And that's where I was until I realized that that's not where Jesus needed me to be. Um, and I, it's a constant struggle, but keep remembering and reminding myself that this is where I'm called to be. If I'm in the middle of something and a little hand says, mom, I need you to do this. I have to like take a deep breath and say, yep, I, I want to do these things on my to-do list, but this is where God is calling me to be right now. Um, and that can be really hard because it takes dying to self. Um, in my case, quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a big list person. And so like, if I have things left on my list at the end of the day, it's, I have to remind myself that's okay. Um, yeah. cause that's, that's hard for me, but it does take a little bit of dying to self to remember. And I, I get asked a lot, you know, how do you do it all? And I'm like, yeah, first of all, I don't do it all. Um, and second, I just do the next thing, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I wake up. Okay. Well, the next thing is I'm going to start my day in prayer. Okay. Well then I can't think about dinner yet. I need to do just the next thing. Now it's time to feed the baby and then it's time to get everybody up. And, you know, I, I can only do one thing at a time. And so I just have to focus on the next, next task at hand. Um, and sometimes that can be so I don't know, comforting in the the doldrums of kind of the winter and just just do the next thing. And it's okay. It's okay if the list is long at the end of the day. Start at the beginning the next day and just do the next thing. One thing at a time. There was a phrase I repeated to myself a lot when my kids were all very little, like sometimes we go one minute at a time. I can do anything for one minute. We're doing this one minute at a time and then we will face the next minute, but we're, I'm just living this minute right now. So that's all I can control right now. So that helped me a lot in those, uh, uh, when there was that inherent chaos of a, everybody needing something all at once. And it was very overwhelming and, and yeah, and it took a, a while to come to that level of acceptance. Like this is, this is where I am right now. I'm doing, and I'm, I'm wondering though, what you all think. So, um, I know speaking for out of, of my own experience, I had that tendency to think I have to do all the things I have to die to self, meaning I've got to take care of everything and everyone. But I think I have come to realize later, I mean, to the, to the detriment of, um, you know, I went past my human limits and then was not able to care for people with how they needed to be cared for. Anyway, you know, yeah, everyone's nodding. They're like, Oh yeah. I'm like, y'all been there too. So I think there might be an element of the dying to self, like why I need to um, part of my pride means I need, I need to set part of my, well, all of it, but I need to set the pride aside that is keeping me from saying, I need this help in this way, or I can't do that particular thing on my list right now, however much I want to, because I need to do this instead, but honoring the human limits, obviously, and the need for rest that comes up so much, that part, I easily brush to the side, like, oh, I, well, there's no time for that. We have to keep on tracking here. Yeah. And remembering to cut things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so that dying to self can be there's a lot of activities I would like to add. Guess what? I, my human limits are at that. Mm-hmm. It's got to go. Right. It's got to go because I need it. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it's a pride thing. Cause you can feel like if I do X, Y, Z, I'm a good mom. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes letting go of X, Y, Z and admitting I can't realistically do that. Yeah. Uh, or I can't realistically do that right now or what have you. Sometimes it's a bit of letting go of pride. And, uh, accepting that, you know, that that's, um, a, probably a false definition of a good mom. If, if, 
if it gets in the way of you taking care of, you know, your, your basic needs and your kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, and you hinted at this too, is turning to your community, asking for help. It's hard to ask for help. And, and that can look different in different ways. Sometimes, sometimes it's also asking help of your kids. I remember one time, um, my kids are really little and I had one, one child with special needs. I was really overtaking with, you know, I was helping him with all sorts of things. And I, I turned around and my oldest had taken the little science book and had sat down with her brother and was reading it to him mm-hmm. and she was doing it and she did the lesson and it was great. And he learned the, the stages of the moon and, and you don't have to feel bad about that. That's because they're also part of the family. They're part of the community. If they, you know, having them help, having your spouse help, having your friend, your next door neighbor, friend down the street saying, Hey, do you, do you want to, you want to trade? Do you want to, do you want to come over, bring all the kids, let them play and, and we'll all fold laundry together. I mean, sometimes my friends, when we had really little kids, we would actually do that. We would have play dates at each other's house and then help each other do a chore. Something that we just, that it's not that we couldn't do it, but it, it's that enjoyment of doing it with someone else. And and you needed a little bit, sometimes you, sometimes you just need that little pick me up and help. So looking, looking for help and being willing to say, I, I need help today. And, and that's okay. And whether it be from our kids, like I said, our spouse, our friends, or this is one I had actually heard this recently, um, could be from your, yourself from the day before. So do something little for yourself that tomorrow's self will say thank you for like, just saying, you know what, I'm going to do this small little thing before I go to bed. I have a little energy. It's a little time. I'm just going to get that off my plate. And then tomorrow I'll be like, Oh, good. Good job. <laughs> glad I, right. glad I, I took that laundry basket upstairs and now I don't have to carry. I mean, it may be something just little, but say it's okay that you can't do it right now. Maybe later when you have that energy, you, you have that little bit of time, you'll do it later, but ask, ask the, your, the people around you to, to have that. I think, I think it's hard. Um, Katie, I'm like you, I'm a list person and my list, I used to do these enormous lists and then I would get frustrated, but I have to say, nope, one thing at a time. And, and my, my biggest thing right now is, is making sure um, I try to only keep like three or four things on my list every day, like big things. If the other things happen, that's okay. But I can get, these are the things that have to happen. Um, And then, you know, that's been my, that's my personal goal. That's just something I've I try to work on because I, I can be the same way. It's so hard not to get to the end of that list and feel frustrated, but say, Hey, I only did two things on the list. That's okay today. So I, um, needed, you know, some extra outside help. And, uh, that was, we worked through kind of the list and she basically said, you have to identify what has to be done and what you would like to get done and what can absolutely be done later. And so that was it. It was like three things that have mm-hmm. to be done today. And she's like, and let's be honest that the only things that need to be done today, you need to feed everyone in your family. You need to make sure they have a roof over their heads and everything else is going to be okay. Right? Like everything else is a, I would like to get this done. And I'm like, Oh, like it was a reframing of my mind. Um, I just wanted to give a note kind of on that along that topic, if you find that you are in a heart palpitation or blind panic with anxiety, or I can't get out of bed, 
or, you know, after I've done a couple of these things and I still feel just blah, it's okay to reach out, whether it is to an advisor, to somebody to talk to, whether it's to a priest to get some counseling or a spiritual director or to reach out to a counselor. It's okay to say, this is a really hard season and I just need someone to listen to and tell me some tips that can help me get through this. Um, so I just wanted to, because they can overlap really easily and really quickly and it's okay. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Uh, Stephen, was there anything before I move on here a little bit, was there anything that you wanted to add about, um, signs or symptoms of burnout that you notice either in adults, yourself, um, your wife, your kids, anything that you wanted to throw in there before we move forward? I have more to, to add, to add as far as symptoms, this is kind of a well, it's not just a guy thing, I guess, but uh, I, I tend to be really focused on getting things done. That's what really, really motivates me. So I know that February, that time of year is hard in many respects when I'm thinking about something like schooling, especially when I was a student, because there's, it's like I've got four or five months of this and I can't finish it. But as you were all talking, I was thinking we, we really need to reverse that. We've got four or five months to finish this up. We don't have to do everything today. We can we can cut. We can we can choose to enjoy this process as much as we can, even yeah. if we're feeling. We're, but to to flip that to to say, you know, this isn't about running the race today. This is yeah, we've hit the wall, but that's okay. We'll just slowly move along and do what needs to be done day by day. I think I think that fits in with. That. Yeah, I like how you turned it around. Yeah, I like that. Just it's it's it, it's okay. To, we we will have time to do it later. It, it made me start thinking. You know, historically, what was the it, here in the United States? We we tend to be very we're very driven. We have to be doing tasks, task, task, task. And I was thinking about historically. You know, the quiet time in the winter. That's when people would just do things inside. They, they, they didn't have farming to do. They didn't have to, you know, growing. There was the canning and putting up things that had been done. So, you know, that's when they would do those little, the small things and, and, and rest. And it's okay to rest. Like you said, we have four months. We have four months to get it done. If, if this week, perhaps our schedule got messed up with a holiday or something and say, you know what, let's make it a two day holiday. We'll take an extra day. I think it's important for us to, to realize that that rest is is not unproductive. We, we're always like, are we productive today? That sometimes the quiet, that is that is the goal. The goal is the rest. The goal is that quiet. The goal is taking quiet reflection or um, and focusing on on maybe just you know like like Kristen said, just one task, just to, if you, if you really feel that you need to have something done to, to feel accomplished for the day, say, it's okay. if It's just one thing and, and maybe make it, I'm going to sit here today and read with the kids or let them play games on the floor and just be with each other a little bit and, and, and um, make that our task for a day when we, when we really need it. It's, re it's reminding me of a principle called the 20 mile march um, from 
it comes from somebody who walked across the United States and he decided every day he would walk 20 miles. So whether it was good weather or bad weather, but one of uh, Jim Collins, who's one of my favorite business book authors, writes about that in um, one of his books and he relates it to uh, the, the, this is only tangentially related, but I, I, it's one of my favorite topics. So here we go. Um, he, he relates it back to Amund, Roald Amundsen and, and Scott's march to the South Pole and how Roald Amundsen got there and back and Scott's party perished on the way back. But again, doing a little bit every day, you know, that 20 mile march. So whether it's good weather or bad weather, you do a bit. And whereas, you know, Scott, on, on the other hand, if it was bad weather, they just make camp in three days, they'd be, you know, while the weather was bad, well, then the weather kept getting worse and worse as the season went on. So it seems like if you're doing what you're saying here, like prioritize, say, what is it? Do we need to do a math lesson today? Okay, well, let's get that math lesson done. And then, yeah, you know, whatever it is that you as the, the, the parent decides this is the, the 20 miles we need to march today. <laughs> and not that it's not okay to take the day off too, but I mean, just, you know, just that kind of relentless little bit, little bit, and not, not get too stressed about sprinting when, mm -hmm. when you don't have to. It's like uh, the recovery day to continue with the, with the running, the long distance running, which is, uh, I'm not a runner at all. No, no. But the recovery day after a lengthy undertaking like that seems like is applicable to this sort of what we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, I've heard other people talk about having a as a homeschooling uh, parent to have a a minimum viable day. Yeah. Um. Or as as I think about it with with myself, I think about it as I have like A days and B days, <laughs> and so like A days are days where like I am on my game, feeling good, the baby slept. We can do the usual things. B days are like the bare minimum days. These are the okay. We still it's a school day. I can't just keep taking off every day that I'm exhausted because I was up late with the baby or I've, I'm swamped with grading for work and things like that. Or, you know, I can't just take those days off. Um, you know, we need to keep some momentum going, but, um, yeah. And actually it was funny the other day, my, uh, my son asked me, he was like, so mom, why, how, what, what's up with math? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, he was like, well, you always say like, we have to at least do math. <laughs> And he's like, you're an English teacher. What, what, what's up with the math? And, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, well, math is a skill and it builds on itself and you have to master the skills to get to the next point. Whereas other topics like literature, history, religion, you know, science to some degree are, are more content area things. They don't build skills. You take a day off. It's not the end of the world. You can still pick it up later and so it doesn't affect your ability to move forward whereas math if you fall behind um you i mean you really fall you can really completely set yourself back i mean um i mean i got i put myself in a situation as a student where i ended up having to double up on i took algebra 2 and geometry in the same year in high school oh. because i had i had a I have this theory that all middle schoolers have a dark year. I had a dark year in seventh grade where I just like didn't, I didn't do my schoolwork as well as I should have. I didn't do horribly, but I made like a C, which was like, it had never happened. And so my parents were horrified. And, um, but I got put back in the, the 
the lame math class, the, the, the ordinary math class. I was like, what? So, so I couldn't do all the honor sciences that I wanted to do unless I doubled up. So I ended up doubling up later. So I'm always very um, aware of the idea that, you know, okay, there's certain things. So, so for me, a minimum viable day usually relates to the, um, skill-based things though I've been rethinking that a little bit and trying to make sure I have some sort of like truth goodness beauty stuff in there too because I don't want to be too too much of a pragmatist in in our homeschool days you know Mm -hmm. um and so because the other things are just as important if not more um so anyway so so for me like a, a minimum viable day would be like you know do math and English and then read a good book in some way you know, that's like a bare minimum day. And I can usually make sure that happens, you know, even if I've slept very little, or even if the kids are cranky or, or what have you. So that's funny. We should do the same math, gotta get math, that math has got to be done. (laughs) Um, But then like, if something else couldn't happen, like literature or history in the same way, I would give them that book and say, all right, so go ahead and you're going to have quiet reading because I have to take care of something. So yeah, I think set yourself that, that small task that, right. And it's when it's a hard day and like you said, you're tired, you you can't, you can't get motivated, you can't get going. You say these two things, three things, whatever it, whatever it is that you need to make it say, I have had a, this will be a good day if we can focus on at least on these three things and get through it. And, and that that's, okay that you know then all of a sudden if you're recharged after that the next day hey you know we'll have our English lesson today and so this this particular lesson you guys you're rested you're ready for this and so perhaps we'll go through it a little quicker so we've moved ahead a little bit it always finds a way to balance in the in the end I find so think of the relief your child will have when you say to them you know, it's a rough day. Let's just do these things, get them done this morning, and then you can take the afternoon off and read a good book or just listen to listen to an audio book, whatever. And then we'll we'll hit it again tomorrow. So just they'll be like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, vacation? <laughs> I have the freedom to to just do this and not feel bad about that. I that I'm failing. So I think it should help to ease stress all the way around. I think it's a good skill too. I mean, sometimes, right, when we have a really heavy task in front of us and we're working, working, sometimes actually, even if it's short, like saying, okay, I need to walk away. I'm going to walk. I'm going to go do something else here for a minute and come back. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, now I can, I can continue on. It's like, um, so my husband, one of his professors had told him this. They said, uh, he was writing his dissertation, which of course was just pages and pages and pages they said stop when you still have something more to say don't keep going so you hit a good point you've got a certain number of pages written today stop you know you have more to say walk away take a moment and then the next day not only will you have a fresh start on that topic but it'll energize you perhaps you've had time to contemplate and 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 so yeah like you said Stephen, walk away for a little while it's okay and then the next day you may even surprised by how much you can get done. There are sometimes when I tell my kids that when they get really frustrated with a a topic that they're just not contemplating and I was like or not getting I'm like walk away. And they're like no and I'm like literally you need to walk away because your brain cannot process when you are this frustrated yeah. your brain is shut down. So you're not going to take in any you you could try to keep going but it's like pushing against a a moving 
train. Like you're not going to do it. So walk away. Um, and it, every time it works, I need <laughs> right. to remember this myself. So, right, so true. Yeah. Charlotte Mason actually says something similar. She, she, I can't remember how she phrases it. I'm sure more eloquently, but essentially she says that if you're, if you find your child becoming dull and slow over a lesson, stop that lesson, go do a different lesson, like a completely different. So if you're, if they were getting dull and slow over math, go switch and do literature. If they were getting dull and slow over literature, go do science, you know, do something completely different and then come back to it, you know, an hour later and you'll find that nine times out of 10, they'll be, um, able to master the lesson. Setting them up for when you are not there to, to shepherd them through that, that, that they will have those. Yeah. That they will be able to do that for themselves eventually when they, when they need to. All right. So do you guys have any final thoughts or takeaways for our listeners at this point? Maybe a word for the parents who are thinking quiet. Yeah. Right. Like, and they're probably not listening to a podcast quite honestly, but <laughs> just uh, <laughs> uh, maybe a word for, for those who are maybe thinking, I don't even know how to accomplish that or any other, any other takeaways you want to leave with, with listeners. You know, before we stop, I have to say, in case my daughter listens to this podcast, I love February. Her birthday's on the 13th of February. It's the best month. So, oh, yes. so there's that, but that doesn't help everybody else. Love it. There's lots of good happening. Yes, that's right. I would just say, please know that you're not alone and don't let yourself stew in feeling down. So if you don't beat yourself up. Um, and don't, if you are like, I can't, I don't have time to get to, you know, where I need to be quiet or I can't, it's okay, but don't let yourself stay there. So yeah. reach out to your neighbor, reach out to any friend, call the first person in your phone book on your phone, um, call your advisor, call anybody and just have a five minute conversation. It's okay. If the toddler's screaming in the background, they get it, mm -hmm. but just reach out. Don't let yourself sit in the the dark. That's a good point. Like the time is going to be spent. If you're going to sit there spinning your wheels that way, call, call somebody, call your advisor. Definitely great advice. Definitely wanted to, to highlight that the advisors and the Colby community can, can be here. Yeah. The advisor, the advisors at Colby are always such a wealth of knowledge and, and, and are just a, a friendly ear as well. Sometimes, like you said, it's sometimes you just, um, need to talk through something. It's so funny. Like my students, I had a student today actually say to me in class, like, I'm really, I have a question. She started reading it to me and she goes, Oh, I just answered my question by asking you the question. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just, you just need someone else to talk to. Um, because I, and she started to apologize. Say, oh no, don't apologize. That's <laughs> the best way. That's how I oftentimes find answers to questions as I start asking it. And, and that's good and that's okay. But um, yeah, I think what, what Kristen said, of course, is, you know, reach out. You're not alone. Uh, don't, and don't never feel bad about reaching out, um, what, whatever it is. And, and then I think from that, I, I'm going to go to what, what Amanda had said earlier is, is just try and focus on, on the moment in front of you and see if, if that can also help um, rather than fight it, just focus toward it for a moment, uh, just for, even if it's just for a moment or two and say, okay, I'm going to do this right now. And maybe, 
you know, that, that'll give me a little bit, it'll give you maybe some respite as well, but don't never be afraid to reach out and you're not alone. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And, um, you know, I guess I would say, you know, part of the reason February is so hard is because it's so dark. <laughs> it's just, it's literally dark a lot of the time. So, you know, try to bring in some light try to go, go out of the house, you know, get out of the house, either just you or with your kids, plan a fun field trip, um, you know, something indoors if you have to, but, but do something out of the house or bring some light. If you do have to stay home more, you know, um, then, you know, bring some light into your house. You know, maybe if you're stuck inside all day reading, you know, maybe, maybe plan a fun tea party, maybe make a big blanket fort and everybody read inside blanket forts for the day and make hot cocoa for your kids and cookies, you know, and bring those little bits of joy, those little bits of mundane joy can bring some light into your homeschool in that very, you know, dark and dreary and boring time. And, you know, or yeah, invite friends over, invite friends over just to homeschool for the day. Hey, do you want to bring your schoolwork over here? And we can goof off and do that. Or, Hey, I found this cool science kit. We can do this. We can, we, we can all make a volcano together or something silly that the kids will love. And, um, yeah, just sort of, you know, bring those little joys into the, into your day. Um, and I think that can, that can help a lot. Good stuff. Lots of ways to help us acknowledge the reality of where we are right now, literally and figuratively. I'll just, just in your conversation, I was reminding myself that when February comes around, I need to think about not fixing, but listening. Uh, because if you're a typical husband, you start you start telling me the problems and it's like, well, let me fix this. Well, that's probably not what my wife necessarily needs at that time. She just wants to, she, she's got the plan. She knows what she's going to do, but would like to talk about it and I'll just have to remember, it might just be a time to, to listen, pour a glass of wine and uh, not fix all the problems. I'm sure there are many ways in which you, you do help her accomplish that and you guys work on them together and, and help solve them that way. And happy birthday to your daughter. We'll leave that there for when she listens, whatever time of year. Okay, so check our show notes. We'll have lots of links to episodes and other resources that can help with this time of year and some of the stuff we covered today. Of course, remember to call your advisors. There are ways to schedule appointments on the Colby website or email. If you're already in email communication with your advisor, please make use of that. Uh, the Colby community is accessible through the Facebook groups, the class Facebook groups. If you're not already a member of those, there are ways to join those. And uh, just being a part of the conversation there check out those show notes, like I said, and the, the aspects of community that you can be a part of. Okay. Well, Therese and Kristen and Amanda, it's so great to see you guys again. Thank you so much for coming back to talk to us. Here's to a fabulous February. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bonnie and Steven. Thanks everybody. Thank you. Subscribe to the Colby cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam. <laughs>